0: the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, we're going to be talking about some NFL news and maybe with a bit of a Steelers bent, because joining us today from the first day of Steelers camp, it's like the first day of school and the first day of summer camp mixed together for our friend, ESPN Steelers reporter, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, how are you doing in Latrobe, Pennsylvania?
1: I am great, and you are spot on that it feels like the first day of summer camp and the first day of school because the Steelers are one of the few teams that still goes away to camp, and they're not going to some fancy Marriott in Oxnard, California. (laughs) Uh, We are at St. Vincent's College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and when I tell you that these are very much college accommodations, Mm -hmm. I just watched... All of the rookies have to they the rookies are obviously on snack duty, so they went to Costco, they loaded up, and they filled like three rolling carts of snacks. Oh, wow. Here's the thing the only way to get into the dorm was down two big flights of stairs because oh. they couldn't find the key for the side entrance. Oh no. And so these <laughs> these rookies had to carry the carts of snacks down the stairs to get into the building. Um, And then even better was watching long snapper Christian Kuntz and punter Presley Harvin carry Presley's massage chair, like (laughs) the kind you'd pay for in the mall, (laughs) down the flights of stairs. And then they had to get it up to the third floor to Presley's dorm room. So big, big, felt felt like we were watching a bunch of freshmen going off to college, like, have fun, (laughs) make friends, wash your
0: sheets. Wash your sheets. (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine? You you make it out of college. You get drafted or you get signed to play in the NFL. Your dream comes true. You get, you get uh, drafted or acquired by the Steelers, one of the most renowned, respected organizations in football. You're so happy you're not with one of the terrible franchises in the NFL. And then two months later, you're carrying uh you're carrying snacks up and down flights of stairs it's like life comes go wrong? at you fast
1: yeah yeah it's i remember last year was naji harris's first camp mm-hmm. and i remember him being like yo there are granddaddy long legs in the shower i did not sign <laughs> up for this and uh until last year media used to also stay in the dorms but mm-hmm. then you know with some different arrangements post COVID. Unfortunately, there is no longer room for us here. Although I don't know that it's unfortunate. I'm actually, I'm quite okay with it. So yeah, no granddaddy long legs in my shower.
0: (laughs) Tremendous. That's, that is a small blessing for you, Brooke, that you're not having to deal with a daddy long legs. We talked about Najee Harris, though, you brought him up. And I think that's where we're going to start our conversation today. Because Najee has been sort of lumped in to some extent with the broader running back conversation that's been happening. Najee Harris, of course, is very far or farther away, I suppose, from having to worry about an extension than other players. He's not close to the franchise tag. He's only through year two of his rookie deal, still a year away from even being eligible for an extension, let alone um, being a player who the Steelers think should be getting a long-term extension. So in in talking with Najee Harris and and, and you know I know he had some availability today I believe um, you know what perspective are you getting from Najee Harris when it comes to sort of this running back quandary that everyone's been dealing with?
1: Yeah, you know we we did talk to Najee today, and I asked him you know pretty explicitly, what do you make of Saquon's contract? Does this hurt your negotiating power? And I I think that Najee is a really good representative for the running backs of the league. You know, He made it very clear, hey, this is not a gripe that I have with the Steelers organization. I'm not here to talk about my own situation. I'm going to talk about, I'm I'm going to be a spokesman on behalf of the running backs. And he said, Saquon accounted for almost 30% of this team's offense, of the Giants offense last year. He's not asking to reset the market. He's not asking to break the market. He wants to be paid what's fair. And he's like, they know, I know, we know, it's not fair what he got. Um, and he he didn't go as far to say that, you know, Saquon hurts their negotiating power because he said, look, we don't have leverage as running backs. There is no leverage for us. We're in a tough position. Um, and I thought he made a really good point saying that, you know, the running backs have talked to, the union about it, about what can they do and trying to come up with different solutions. You know, there was the Zoom about a week ago. Nick Chubb was also on. And Najee said, look, maybe we shouldn't be franchise tagging players based on position. Maybe it should be a pool of money for all players that looks at production. And he said, because look, a running back isn't just a running back. You're not just carrying the ball. You're also being a receiver. You're also blocking. When a receiver went When a running back is in a game, he is always doing something. And it might not show up in the stats. You know, pass pro is not in the stats. But he just made the point over and over again that they're getting paid like they do one thing. And that's not the case. And teams are more than willing to have a running back do everything and value the running back position until it's time to pay them. And then it's, oh, nope, thank you for your service. You have too many miles on your body. We're going to move on to somebody cheaper and younger. And so I I understand the frustration that he's dealing with and that all of these running backs are dealing with. But, you know, I I also asked him what he learned from the Le'Veon Bell situation. And obviously he was not on the team yet, but that's still something that's, you know, talked about within this organization. There's not a lot of people left from that time, but Still, I I think that, you know, there can be some lessons learned, and he wasn't willing to go into that because he did not want to make this about the Steelers. But it is, uh, I hate to say the cliche rock in a hard place, but that's what it is. You know, do you sit out and possibly accelerate the end of your career? That's what happened to Le'Veon Bell, trying to get more money and what he thought he was worth. And now he's not relevant. He's not really in the league anymore. So do you do that or do you take. A reduction in play for less than what you believe your value is. And, you know, yes, it's, we're all talking about millions of dollars here, but do you accept that and maybe hurt the negotiating power of your position as a whole while also knowing that your position doesn't have a lot of negotiating power to begin with?
0: Yeah. And I think that's sort of one of the distinctions that's important to make here is, you know, when you look at Saquon's deal, for example, where, you know, he got an extra $900,000 or so in incentives to, Sort of get him over the line, make him feel good about where he was after the franchise tag, get him in camp early in camp. Like, I've seen people make the point, oh, you know, Saquon's making more than $10 million. That's an incredible amount of money. He should be happy to play for that much. And of course, $10 million is good. There's nothing wrong with making $10 million, but it's not about the dollar amount. You know, it's not about the, you know, having $9 million as opposed to $10 million or $11 million. It's just that sense of, you know, what are we worth? What what is our value? You know, we're we're being restricted from hitting the open market by a tag that, you know, is sort of arbitrarily capping us much below what the top players in our position are making and way below what players at other positions Mm -hmm. are making. And and certainly you, you look at all the charts that have come out on Twitter about the growth of Different positions over the past 10, 15 years. I know um Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap had one where punter was last, running back was next to last, just <laughs> behind long snapper. And no oh. disrespect, no disrespect to the long snappers of the world. I mean, you know, but but you have to figure that running backs, especially having a great running back, is is more impactful on consistently winning football games than having the best long snapper in football. So it, it really feels like a situation where You know, there are there are these sort of barriers between even the possibility of a player getting what he's worth. Because now, for for not just for this class of free agents, but what it looks like next year, and presumably through the entirety of the sort of negotiating window for Najee Harris, if he does become a player that the Steelers want to extend, you know, there's going to be a major gap between the franchise tag and the top of the running back market. And mm-hmm. that's going to, you know, arbitrarily cap what a player like Najee Harris can get. And so, you know, for for a guy like like Najee, where, uh, and I'll be honest, I don't think he's been an incredibly efficient back. I don't think he's been an incredibly effective back on a snap by snap basis. And of course, the offensive line is part of that. There's there's reasonable arguments to be made about Najee, but what he's done really well, where he's been valuable, is he's answered the bell. He's been there every mm-hmm. week. He's shouldered an enormous workload for a Steelers team that's been in transition that had a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who was not you know at the very end of his career and of course a quarterback last year in Kenny Pickett at the very start of his Najee has been the guy who's had to sort of shoulder that workload of being the the, the player the offense could rely upon or the player the offense could could you know build upon as they evolve in, at quarterback and so the idea from Najee Harris's perspective that I'm going to be the guy you can rely upon until I get Eligible for an extension, and then suddenly, well, you've got too much tread on your tires, or you mm-hmm. know, you've taken too many carries. That's got to be incredibly frustrating and even scary, I would say.
1: Yeah, and demoralizing too. I think that, yes, football is absolutely a business, and this is a team that's going to make smart business financial decisions, especially when you have a guy like Omar Khan, who's now the general manager, who was known for a long time in the league and and in this organization as the cap guy, as the numbers guy. Um, They're going to make business decisions. But I think that when you also look at it from the perspective of Najee Harris as a guy that is a leader on this team, that they have said, we want you to be a leader, that they are really pushing him toward that path of being a captain, being a voice in the locker room, um, you know, wanting him to help the new guys adjust and kind of, in a lot of ways, be one of the bridge players between the Ben Roethlisberger era and the Kenny Pickett era. Obviously, Kenny Pickett is a big part of that leadership team also. But I mean, when you look at the young core of this team, being guys like Najee and Kenny and Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in that position and say, Hey, we're putting so much on you. We, you know, you are available every week. You are literally giving your all for this team, but you're only worth, you know, we're only going to franchise tag you because we don't want to pay you anymore. And we don't want to give you that security that you really want because, you know, there's a better deal to be had elsewhere. Um, I think that, that that has got to be really frustrating. And like you said, really scary, um, and, you know, Najee talked about the timing of these conversations, you know, is there any optimism, you know, is it good to have these conversations now? And he said, yeah, because we want it so that guys like Bijan Robinson, when it's his turn to negotiate, maybe this is resolved by then, you know, I think that, that they're projecting on down the line, and they don't want to get to a point where this position is devalued even more. Um, and so they're trying to stop the skid while they can or while they feel like they can. But I mean, it very much feels like it's an uphill battle. Um, and to your point, you know, Najee has not been the most efficient back. Um, but I think a lot of that has been the situations that he has been put in. Um, you know, not only is it the offensive line and changing quarterbacks, he's hurt. But also, he was running the ball a lot on first and second down. I mean, my God, the number of times in my play-by-play that I wrote down first and 10, Harris-Carrie, Carey two. I mean, it was – I don't think that that was entirely his fault. A lot of it were the calls that were being put in. I mean, it was the most predictable offense. And I hope that this year the playbook gets opened up a little bit more. They are less predictable and that we see him – Be put in some different situations. And I think the development of Kenny Pickett and the consistency of having Pickett and some of these second year weapons, like a a George Pickens, um, is going to help this offense grow some more, be a little bit more explosive. Maybe I'm just trying to manifest because I only watched like ten passing touchdowns last year and that is <laughs> that is really hard when you look at all your friends covering other teams and like, wow, oh, <laughs> you watched Lamar Jackson and you watched Patrick Mahomes and I watched more interceptions than touchdowns, I think. And that <laughs> was that talk about demoralizing. That was up there.
0: Yeah, that that's a real thing. Like like I think when you talk to people on the beat, I'm I'm not frankly talented enough to be on a beat but when i talk to people who are on the beat like that comes up a lot you'll hear people be like man I wish I was covering a more fun team, or I wish I was covering the. Like, everyone, I think, wishes they were covering the Chiefs because you're. I guess the positives are you get a really exciting team. The negative is that you're traveling every year during the postseason instead of being able to go on vacation in January. So, <laughs> uh, poor. poor, poor Priorities, I, right? I, I always joke about poor Mike Reese, who's had to cover like two and a <laughs> half extra seasons of football over 20 years with the Patriots by virtue of the playoffs every year. So, I guess it's I a trade off.
1: It is, and look, I covered the Chiefs in the 2018 right. season. I have seen fun football. I am cautiously optimistic that I'm going to see some more fun football. And I also, I will admit, I am the eternal optimist about literally everything. I mean, that is why I did not wear sunscreen today because I thought, <laughs> oh, the sun's not going to be that strong. I'm going to be fine. Um, so, I'm built I- different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In my mind, everything works out, and it's all rainbows and sunshines, Mm -hmm. always. Um, And so I I say this knowing that I am an optimist, but I do think the Steelers' offense as a whole will be more fun this year. And if it's not, that is a shame, because when you look at this roster, this offensive roster, and you have guys like a George Pickens, a Pat Fryermuth, a Najee Harris, their skill positions – are, are pretty well stocked. I think they probably need a little bit more receiver depth. They did trade for Allen Robinson. Um, Calvin Austin, the third is healthy. Now mm-hmm. I could see, I, I kind of feel like they need, they need like just one more guy in that mix and maybe a third running back. Mm-hmm. But Pat Frymuth is playing really well. You add Darnell Washington. Um, uh, Kenny Pickett is, I think one of, I, I think is the most overlooked quarterback in the, AFC North certainly, um, but you know when the when your other quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson, it's kind of like you know a default thing. But i I think they're going to take people by I, I hate to say by surprise because they're the Steelers, and so you're never actually surprised when the Steelers do well. But I think that they are going to be more a factor than they have been recently.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Well, you mentioned the Chiefs, and I want to talk about them as well because they are in a... Sort of unique situation right now, which I, I can't recall a situation where we had a similar sort of team in the NFL in recent years, where of course they're coming off of the Super Bowl. They're the most pass happy team in the league. They have an incredible quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, they have a Hall of Fame caliber tight end in Travis Kelsey. And their wide receivers are just a big sort of shoulder shrug in terms of what you look at on their depth chart. Of course, they did make it all the way to the Super Bowl last year, but that was also with Juju Smith-Schuster in the mix. Juju Smith-Schuster is now gone. They replaced him with second-round pick Rashi Rice. They brought in Richie James from the Giants. Um, You have Justin Ross coming after missing his entire season after uh, being a really exciting prospect at Clemson, but having injury issues. But the key player, the guy who was talked about all off season as their lead wide receiver, was going to be Kadarius Tony, and Kadarius Tony suffered a knee injury, fielding punts on Monday. I believe he underwent surgery yesterday. He, uh, the first reports were, "Oh, he'll be fine for week one. The reports after the surgery were, uh, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll show up week one, and now it feels like there's no guarantees whenever Kadarius Tony is going to return. So Brooke, from your perspective. Having covered the league, having seen other teams, having seen the Chiefs, of course, in in their pomp in terms of their wide receiver depth chart years earlier. Do you think they're taking on too much of a risk here as they try to defend their title by not having more at wide receiver?
1: I, I just want to check one thing. Um is is Travis Kelsey still on the roster?
0: He he is he's okay he, he's um, uh he he is still there he you know he is because every time the team is in front of a podium Travis Kelsey has to grab the microphone um, so you know he's still there um, but yes, Travis Kelsey thirty three years old th- turns thirty four in October he is still on the roster
1: see and that is why I am not concerned and okay. again maybe th- maybe this is the optimist in me but <laughs> Travis Kelsey is the answer to all of your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, well, it's really it, – it, he is one part of a two-part answer. Mm-hmm. The first part is Travis Kelsey. The second part is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, I could be a receiver for Patrick Mahomes, and I have terrible hands. <laughs> um, there well, have been – s- Right, They are definitely – I would need gloves on right now to catch a pass <laughs> and a lot of aloe um, under the gloves, not on top of the gloves because that would make it really hard to yes, catch the ball. Of course. Um, but there has been some footage out of Chiefs camp where he- Patrick Mahomes just puts the ball in places where only his receiver can get it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to matter who that receiver is. Um, I think that Rasheed Rice is I- – I'm really intrigued – by him as a prospect, the biggest thing for him is just going to be his conditioning, mm-hmm. which is a concern when Andy Reid calls you out, you know, he's just got to worry about his running, and then he, what, vomits on one of the first couple of days of training camp during some of the conditioning. Um, that That's your welcome to the NFL <laughs> situation, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that... It, this is another way in which the Chiefs are trying to prove that the traditional rules of the NFL don't apply to them. Just like mm-hmm. physics don't apply to Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> um, they won the Super Bowl last year with what a sixth round running back and mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Seventh, like, seventh, seventh. seventh. Back. seventh. That, exactly. Like you don't have to construct a team in a traditional way. You don't have to follow the rules that everyone else has in large part because of Patrick Mahomes and now Travis Kelsey. I mean, he is impossible to defend. Um, Juju Smith Schuster was an important piece, but I think Valdez Scantling can step up and fill that role a little bit. Sky Moore, I think that, that hopes are high for him Rasheed rice, but I think that, I think that the chiefs are too smart of an organization to internally have put all their eggs in Kadarius Tony's basket. When you look at his injury history and everything else, I think that, yes, they were very much hoping that he would be healthy and that he would be a good addition to the offense. But I think there have been contingency plans and everything else. Like this is not the kind of catastrophic injury or, or loss. Catastrophic injury is far too um, extreme a term here Mm -hmm. um, for just um, tweaking a knee and a punt that needed some surgery. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's it's not. I I would be much more concerned if you lost a Travis Kelsey. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the the Chiefs have the luxury of having kind of a revolving door of receivers, and things will still be okay.
0: Now, I have to throw this out there. I okay. know he seems ageless. What if Travis Kelsey gets old? Because Travis Kelsey is no. Is you're not you're not willing to even consider a possibility where a 34-year-old Travis Kelsey is not the player he was in years past.
1: Have you seen his dance moves, The Man Does Not Move mm. like it's he's 34?
0: It's true. Uh, it's very fair.
1: And he hasn't really shown any signs of not at all. slowing down. That's the thing, is I would be more I I he does not seem to me to be a player that's gonna go off a cliff, right? Mm-hmm. He does not play like an NFL 34 because <laughs> real world 34 and NFL 34 yes. are very different things. Very fair. Um, he plays more like a real world 34, you know, in terms of being in his prime. I'm in my early 30s. I envision myself in my prime. <laughs> um, that, so that's, that's where that experience comes from. Um, I, I don't think I, – I think that long term mm-hmm. they need to look at adding, you know, a receiver – next year in free agency, the draft, whatever, Sure. because you're right. Travis Kelsey is not, you know, he, he's, he cannot play for literally ever. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think that I'm concerned about his health this year. Knock on wood because weird stuff happens all mm-hmm. the time. But in terms of age, I don't think that's going to be a factor.
0: Were you Surprised they were not more aggressive in pursuing someone like DeAndre Hopkins when he was released by the Cardinals?
1: A little bit, um, because that would have made their offense really, really fun. I mean, it's already fun. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that that just speaks to the confidence that they have in Patrick Mahomes. And maybe it's also a little bit of arrogance. Um, like I said, you know, they they won the Super Bowl last year without having this star-studded support cast around him outside of, you know, Kelsey and, and yes, Juju too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, Juju is not playing the way he was when he first got in the league. Sure. So I, I think that part of that is, you know, Hey, it would be a luxury if we got Deandre Hopkins and in today's NFL, sometimes those luxury additions like Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers, which I didn't love when it first happened, that turned out to be the difference maker down the stretch so sometimes those luxury additions are what you need as a team to to go to the next tier. But again, the Chiefs are like, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do things our way. Mm-hmm. It's worked out pretty well so far. Let's keep seeing how this goes."
0: I I'm, I'm I'm so fascinated because you just look at other teams around the NFL and there's just such a desperation to add as many playmakers as possible. I mean, the Raiders go out. And they're not even a competitive team. They're they're <laughs> hoping they can compete with the Chiefs. They go out and trade a one and a two for Devontae Adams. The Dolphins go out, and, and they are desperate to add another piece for Tua tango Vialoa, and they go out and get Tyreek Hill. The Eagles make a run with Jalen Hurts by trading for A.J. Brown. The Cowboys this year go out and trade for Brandon Cooks, and the Chiefs are just like, nah, we're yeah, good. That's... We're just going to draft a guy. We'll figure it out. It's incredible
1: it that's also very much a Brett Veach thing to do is that i from from being around him and seeing how this organization works they know that they don't have to add the headline name the the top free agent mm-hmm. they i think take a lot of pride in bargain bin shopping in some ways <laughs> Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I, there are stores that I can go in. And yes, I can find something that's, you know, full price on the rack, which sure. I couldn't do when I was a kid. My parents would never let me do that. We went straight uh-huh. to the clearance section. Sure. But I take I have way more fun going back to the sale room and anthropology and yeah. trying to find that like one piece of clothing that like one dress that's in my size that's on sale that like, that's wow, I got a great deal. Yes. And you know what? I did that a couple weeks ago, and I wore the dress to the wedding, got a ton of compliments on it, and I was like, yeah, I found it on sale at Anthropologie. That's how the Chiefs build their roster, (laughs) is they're like, I'm going to find that one thing that slipped through the cracks. I mean, a couple years ago when they had traded with the Steelers for Melvin Ingram, he was disgruntled in Pittsburgh. He wanted to get out. Was he the difference maker? No, but he was a great addition to that team, and that's just – kind of how they like to operate, like, ooh, we, we like us, we, we are going to be savvy shoppers here, we don't have to get the newest, hottest headline thing, we can kind of, you know, build our wardrobe with some, some bargain bin
0: fines. And I'm all about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's where this went. Was we're going to talk <laughs> about Brooks Anthropology Five for this wedding? As someone who lived literally, the window in my living room faced an anthropology. Oh um, I, I've spent a disproportionate amount of time in anthropology over the last couple of years. Now that I've just moved, no longer anthropology adjacent. Feel like it's the end of an era for me in so many ways.
1: Oh, that is so sad. I hope you poured one out. I'm going to pour one out for you. Um, <laughs> I would. I, I yeah. I I do joke that I would pay rent at Anthropology, or I basically pay my <laughs> rent there. Um, if I lived across from one, that would be so real. Um, yeah. So it's safer for me that I am not in proximity to one. Which there's not one in Latrobe. So good news for everyone.
0: Not yet. Not yet. Doesn't mean not yet. in the future. There is a
1: Starbucks. There is a Starbucks.
0: That's major progress truly um to be fair not i gotta figure not great coffee in the latrobe dorms is my hunch for the poor Steelers rookies
1: i did not see a keurig being carried in but maybe somebody had one and like a tote bag or a couple different guys had like lululemon like the the bags that you get Mm. when you check out and like that's a great thing to carry some k-cups in Mm. so would not shock me if they have some of those but i'm not gonna lie the cafeteria training camp we mm-hmm. get to eat there after the players do i yep. mean I, I didn't have the coffee today but they do hook you up with really good ice cream so it's you know they they do have options other than the dorm snacks
0: interesting was it jimmy butler who had the coffee like the 10 dollars cups of coffee during the nba bubble during the pandemic
1: <clears throat> i don't know but that tracks yeah that, that, <laughs> that, that... much respect
0: yeah. Okay, so one more thing I want to hit on today, and I think this is a, a interesting idea, and I want to talk about this because, of course, as you cover the Steelers, Pittsburgh is perennially on the fringes of the postseason. They're either just in or just out. Last year, they start 2-6 and six at their bye week. You figure the season is over. Mike Tomlin, there's no way he's going to keep his streak of not losing records alive. They go 7-2 and two down the stretch. Mike Tomlin gets to 9-8. and eight. They beat the Browns in Week 18. Don't make it to the postseason, but with a couple of breaks, they would have made it to the postseason. And when you go back through history, there were so many times where if it had been a 17-playoff as opposed to a 16-playoff, the Steelers teams had just missed out on the postseason under Mike Tomlin. They would have been the 7th seed. They would have been in the postseason. And, Brooke, that's why I want to ask you about the AFC and the teams that missed the postseason this past year. It's a loaded conference. To me, I think there are realistically 14 teams who can wake up each morning and tell themselves, hey, we can make it if things break right for us this year. If we play the way we're expecting to, we can make it to the postseason. To me, everybody besides Houston and Indianapolis can tell themselves that story. There's seven spots. A few teams are going to feel like they're locks to get in. So, Brooke, I want to ask you, looking at the teams who did not make it in the AFC last year, who do you think will make it out of the AFC into the postseason this year? Do you want me to give you the list of teams?
1: I am. I am looking at them now.
0: And Uh, for for the listener, I, I will just throw it out there. Patriots. And Jets in the AFC East, Steelers and Browns in the AFC North, Titans, Colts, Texans in the AFC South, and Raiders and Broncos in the AFC West.
1: I I will give you two that I think will be that I think will make it. Okay. This year, I and this and I realize I just look like I'm bleeding black and gold.
0: <laughs> you
1: have I a am wearing all- Exactly. I, I am indeed wearing all black because it doesn't show sweat, but I have <laughs> no allegiance to the Steelers other than I follow their every move. Sure. Um, I think the Steelers I, to me I think the AFC North is the best division mm-hmm. in football in the NFL. Wow. And I think that they can make the playoffs. They have an easier schedule. Um, I think that the, to me, the biggest thing is going to be Kenny Pickett's progression from year one to year two. And that's kind of like, yeah, no duh. Uh, <laughs> you, he does need to make a leap. But just as important is, can they continue the momentum that they ended that year on? You mentioned the run that they went on. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett threw one interception over the last eight games. Wow. When he started off, it was not good. Like, this team was in shambles mm-hmm. in every sense of the word when they got to the bye last year and then they all had a bunch of come to jesus meetings with each <laughs> other with the coaching staff with the coordinators and all of a sudden things started to click the run game started to get better Pickett started to play better playing more mistake free they obviously need some more explosion and they need to have much better red zone efficiency but if they continue on the trajectory that they were on last year and then you factor in the way that they have overhauled the offensive line, adding guys like Isaac Sayumalu, um, adding, you know, drafting Broderick Jones. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how the secondary shapes up. There are a lot of changes there, but I think adding Pat Pete is really interesting, especially if you move him to the slot, which I could see happening, and you have Joey Porter Jr. starting opposite of Levi Wallace. That, I, I think the Steelers have the pieces to make the playoffs, and it would be crazy then... If the AFC North, if all four teams ended up making it into the playoffs, I'm not projecting the Browns to do that. Though I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I am not as high on the Browns. To me, they have more questions than the Steelers. The biggest one of them being, does Deshaun Watson remember how to play football? Because last <laughs> year he didn't. Yes. Um, so if he if he you know figure that out this offseason, season, eh, then maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Jets. Here's the thing: if the Jets, if the Jets don't make the playoffs what are we doing here right i mean
0: (laughs) i've heard i've heard
1: i would i I, you know there's a man that uh, both of us work with who i think might just yeet himself into a river (laughs) in new york if the jets do not make the playoffs i mean (laughs) that would be such a disappointment um you talk about guys that you hope remember how to play football Aaron Rodgers is one of them that I would like to see him remember, maybe not how to play football, but how to be an MVP quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the weapons that Aaron Rodgers has, I mean, Garrett Wilson, you look at uh, Brees Hall when of he's course. healthy. I, I think that that they have a complementary offense and defense. I really like what and Williams has done so far. How can you not like Sauce Gardner? Mm-hmm. Um I think that that they should. That's to me a no brainer. So, but but I don't know. You know, then I look at the list of the teams who made it last year, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I don't know who to take That's out. The
0: problem.
1: That's the what problem. What if? What if while we redo the whole franchise tag and basically you know renegotiate the CBA? What if we just redo the playoffs and um, the best AFC teams take the spot of, like, the last three NFC teams?
0: That's what it feels like, right? Like, I'm looking at the NFC, and I'm like, okay, what seven teams are going to make it from the NFC? I know one team from the NFC South is getting in. Mm -hmm. There's one team from the NFC North that's getting in. There's going to be a wild card team. It's going to be, like, the Giants or the Commanders or the Rams. You know, like There's going to be a team that has major holes.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What
0: ML, if the eighth best team in the AFC is not going to make it?
1: Here, uh, this is this is my proposal. Okay, we just do the top four seeds or all the division winners yep. for for AFC and the NFC, and then the last six spots are just the best records, mm-hmm. regardless of AFC mm-hmm. or I NFC. Like I like this. And then also, you know, we'll throw in an arbitrary eye test um, to just make this <laughs> utterly ridiculous and unfathomable, and it's absolutely not going to happen. We'll just have, like, you know, whenever they do, like, audience tests and stuff to, for commercials, like, is this an effective commercial? We'll just have a test audience, watch a football game, and tell us which team they liked watching more. I think it's flawless. <laughs>
0: I like that idea a lot. That uh, in entertainment factor, the the most entertaining team also sneaks in.
1: As exactly, the, the somebody call team. Goodell. Let the him Raiders.
0: Down. The Raiders were wildly entertaining last year. Every game had something crazy happen. They weren't good, exactly, but they were fun.
1: And that, you know what? And there is something to be said for fun football. I don't want to see just normal good football. Make it entertaining. I mean, listen, if we saw more running backs um, try to block like Mm -hmm. Zeke did, you know, in the last play he ever had. Poor Zeke.
0: Poor Zeke. (laughs) More of that. Gets his final stop at the Cowboys, who know they're cutting him after the year. They put him at center. He gets leveled and then gets released and has no job six months later.
1: You know, (sighs) if that's not a poetic just microcosm of the running back situation as a whole in the NFL. Hey, we need you to do everything and you're still going to get leveled and we're going to give you no support, but we still need you to get out there. Good luck.
0: You're going to be embarrassed and you're not going to get paid for it afterwards. That is is where running back is in the NFL. I... (sighs) We have like a couple minutes left. I feel like I should give my picks, but I don't want to because I don't want to have to stick with these. Oh, it's such yeah. a mess. Like there's there's literally 14 teams. Like I'm like the Patriots have a really good defense and their offensive coordinator is not a walking disaster. Like they should be a playoff team. The Browns are kind of all in. They have Deshaun Watson, who's been good most of his career. I think they could be a playoff team. I like Jim Schwartz as their coordinator. Tennessee was like a perennial playoff team until everyone on their team got hurt last year. They probably could be in this year. The Raiders, I don't think the Raiders are good, but Jimmy Garoppolo wins like 70% of his games. The Broncos just added Sean Payton, who's been like a walking playoff berth every time he's had a competent defense. Like You could make cases for 11 of these teams, I think, thinking they're favorites to get in, and then 14 thinking they have a plausible chance. Like It's crazy to me to pick seven teams out of this this mix
1: see we should we should just go with my plan and rip up rip up the playoffs as they stand now because you're right the the AFC is absolutely loaded
0: okay if i have to pick two teams we're getting in i'm saying browns and broncos two Whoa. last two two last place teams sneak in in the in the AFC i don't feel good about it I don't feel like I I've got the chances of me succeeding and picking the right teams here are very high, but I I I think they have the most upside. And maybe the Jets have the mo have significant upside as well, but I've already said the Jets are gonna finish last on T V and already gotten all the like death threats or insults, so I might as well just stick with it at this point. Um I can't
1: believe you haven't been needed into a river in New York after that. <laughs> You said the eject button on top of the pier,
0: and you know, there you go. <laughs> I think it was the weekend, of the week in New York, where there was like the terrible haze coming from Canada. <laughs> so I, I, I think I just snuck out because nobody could see me because of the mm. haze. I was able to mm. uh, rely on my my born and bred New Yorker instincts of not making eye contact with anybody there and snuck out somehow. But it's it's impossible. Like, like the idea that. You know, there's seven easy teams to pick. Like the NFL is hard to pick in general, hard to project in general, but this is an especially difficult year. And maybe that'll be fun. Maybe we'll have a really fun set of races in the AFC. But it feels like not only are we going to have a couple teams sneak in, but to me, it looks like one of the teams where we're sort of all projecting them to make it, like whether it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, um, you know, it feels like one of those teams is for one reason or another, most likely injuries going to have to miss to make the, the playoffs work.
1: I mean, look, this is like the season in American Idol where Jennifer Hudson got voted off way too early Ah. and she was incredibly good and then went on, you know, to win Oscars and Grammys and Tonys and whatever else. There's there's just not enough spots to go around. Mm -hmm. And so somebody really good is not going to end up making the playoffs. And it's it makes me so excited for the season. I'm not going to lie. I woke up this morning and I thought, ugh. Time for training camp. Time to go get sunburned. <laughs> and now I'm like ready to run through a wall and like sprint all the way to Canton for the Hall of Fame game. And I'm not even going. But now I'm ready to go watch football.
0: But if that wall was slathered in aloe vera, that would also be nice.
1: Oh, that would. If I could just pick some up on the way, go through an aloe drive through, I'd be <laughs> set. You know, somebody should come up with that. That's a genius idea.
0: <laughs> it just gets sprayed like like just, just with aloe as you walk through.
1: Instead of a tanning, instead of a sunless tan, like a yeah. spray tan, a spray aloe booth, I think we're on to something.
0: Mm, not a bad idea. I, th- I will say the the place it's not likely to be trialed, in in my guess, in my estimation, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Don't think that's going to be the first place they launch this technology. But, Brooke, until then, you know where to get sunscreen. You know where to get aloe. Go go get get, get to the CVS. Hopefully... You'll be fine as camp goes on, but you're just building up your tolerance. You're building up your toughness. You're playing hard out there, just like the the Steelers rookies who had to carry that cart down the stairs. You're you're just doing your best.
1: This is our adversity. I'm I'm <laughs> going to overcome my adversity.
0: Very very brave of you, Brooke Pryor. And until then, until you are given an award for toughest beat writer for forgetting to wear <laughs> sunscreen on your arms for the first day of spring of spring training of training camp. Brooke, where can people check out your coverage of the Steelers?
1: It will be on, is it still Twitter X? <laughs> um, the platform that you to have want a blue bird. I'm, um, I'm not getting
0: paid by that. You can call whatever you want.
1: Great. Here. Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> at be prior P-R-Y-O-R. Hmm. Um, also threads, I believe. I will post wow. things occasionally. I know, this is wild. And also on ESPN.com. Tremendous.
0: Brooke? Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much to Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Love having Brooke on the show. Check her coverage out over at ESPN.com with my work as well. We have more stuff coming next week, more audio here on the Bill Barnwell show. I hopped on – I think I've done a lot of shows this week. Hopped on ESPN Daily. I believe it's coming out today talking about some of the NFL storylines and uh, about my article, the players who and coaches and executives who have the most to gain or lose in 2023. So you can read that at ESPN.com or listen to a conversation about it over on ESPN Daily with Jeremy Schapp, which is very exciting, frankly, to do a show with Jeremy Schapp. Also on Debatable, I did Debatable this week with Dominique Foxworth and then Izzy Gutierrez hopped on. We talked a little bit about Kylian Mbappe and uh, the situation with him as well as some football stuff as well. Hopped on Underdog's uh, YouTube channel with my friend Josh Norris. talk about some very underrated fantasy football players and then more coming later this week. So hope you guys are enjoying all the content. Hope you're getting ready for the NFL season and more audio on the way next week.